0: Welcome, you're listening to Sansit, where you'll find everything to do with spirituality, life lessons, holistic living, and medicine,
1: to become your true self. We all have stories, journeys, experiences, and love. Here's your host, Erin O'Dowd.
0: Hello, welcome. On today's show, our guest is Aiden Story. He's technically the angel guy, if you know him very well, but um, he's written a book called *Angel Lights*. And hello, welcome to the show, Aiden, How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing very well, and thank you. The name of the book is *Angels of the Vine*. <laughs> <laughs> What?
0: <laughs> How did the angels come into your life?
1: I suppose the book outlines all of that, really. But for those who don't know the book, is I have always been aware of angels from a very young age. And I suppose if I'm thinking back, you know, I can see myself as a small child around four or five, in bed, and my mum took me in for the night, as they say in Ireland. Probably being a bit afraid of the dark, my mum would say, there's no need to be afraid. Your angels will come and watch over you and I'm not here. And these beautiful beings of light when she'd leave the room, two of them in particular would come and stand at my bed. I was never afraid of them because there was always pictures of angels around the house as well. So I was quite aware of what they were. And for years, I was seeing them, but was just thinking that everyone would see them. <laughs> there wasn't any great, you know. Your mom, when you're four or five, tells you something, you believe it.
0: And did your mom know about it at the time, or?
1: No, I mean, probably did say, "Yeah, I know my angels are here." But, I mean, as a child, you couldn't explain, or I wasn't afraid of them, or didn't need to explain. And I continued on seeing them up to, the I'd say, my mid-teens, and I started them in secondary school. And I happened to say to one of the lads one day, they were, they were after being to a film, I think it was The Exorcist or something like that at the time, I had said to them, but you know, your angels have but that you. And they looked at me like I was metal. And said, you don't believe in all of that stuff. If the spirits coming they're usually evil spirits. So I asked them to leave me and to go away. And they said that they would leave my sight, but they would never leave my sight. They did fade, but you know that kind of place where you are, you still believe in them?
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> because you have seen and you you know they were good. But on the other hand, you wanted to be in with the group and with the crowd so you chose not to stay in contact with them. And I suppose as time went on, I became very depressed in my 20s.
0: Did they help you through those? Through your depression? Oh, I mean,
1: I don't think I would be here and if If they hadn't have, I had gone through really a lot of bullying in school and by teachers and abuse as well, sexual abuse. I went into a workplace as well where there was a lot of abuse. I was also coming to terms with my my sexuality. At that time, being gay in Ireland wasn't such a, a great place to be like it is today. So with all of that, I'm trying to be something you weren't. Constantly being in fear, I read, was reading the paper one night, and it was around the time of the sexual abuse in Ireland when it was all coming to, to a head, and I was reading the story, and I got the flashbacks of my sexual abuse in school, and I thought, this is me, I'm reading about myself, and I went for a walk, and I found myself in a church, and I found myself going to confession. Not to go to confession, if you know what I mean, but to go and mm-hmm. talk to someone. Yeah. And unfortunately the priest uh, at the time wasn't very helpful. And he asked me what part i played in all of this, sexual abuse. And that I had left it so long to come and talk about it or confess it. I must have played a big part in it and allowed it to happen. And it really angered me. And I came home and I was in bed twisting and turning. And the room filled with what I can just say, mist. And from the corner of the room, I heard a voice saying, it's us, little soul, because they always referred to me as little soul. And I knew they looked the same and they were saying, we can get you through this, you know, if you follow rules, this is, you're not always going to feel this way. It's going to be a journey, but we'll take you on this journey and we will help you if you help yourself. So I became, I fell in love with the that's what I can say. So from that day, Hannah, my guardian angel, and Zachariah and my guide Jack really took me by my hand by the hands and I believe led me to the people I needed to go to.
0: It's interesting how they guide us.
1: And that's what they are. They will and a lot of people think, you know, I've asked the angels for something and I haven't you know, I haven't received it and, and it they, they don't give you gifts, if you know what I mean. They, they, well, they do give you gifts. They give you gifts of, if you help yourself, they will help you, they will put the right people, places and situations on your path. Um, but often we have to do the work ourselves to learn from it. We have to do the healing ourselves. They will say to you, we don't do it, we help you on the path. We don't do you. we're here as guides, that's all. So they don't do do anything for you in, 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 the, in that kind of term. You know, where people think they will come down and just make you better. They, that's not always the case. So okay. then,
0: I assume that is the case. You know?
1: Yeah. And it, and it isn't. If you read about them and if you know about them, they are the guardian angel is someone who will protect you or someone who will guide you. It's not someone who will do it for you. There'd be no point in that. You'd be losing out on a life's lesson. If, if someone keep, continuously, you know, will do things for you. You have to learn to do things for yourself. And that's that's part of the healing process. And it's part of our great learning here, because what we're basically here to do is to learn.
0: Did you feel that when the thing just came to you after you read the
1: reports, did you feel healing at that time, or did it continue to be? I felt immense healing that night, but I had to do an awful lot of very hard work on myself, um, with the help of, of counsellors and, and healers. I had to revisit places that I didn't want to revisit in my mind. Um, I had to live things that. the pain and the shame, which was very, very tough. But when you get to the other side of it, it's just like breathing fresh air. It's like a bit like today, it's like a windy day that you just. you feel everything is blown away off you. Cobwebs are gone. You're clear, your head is clear. You feel connected. And God plays a very important part in my life. I mean, the angels are very important, but I do believe and trust and know in my heart that there is a God.
0: Why is God so important to you?
1: God was always important to me. I always felt there was a higher consciousness. There was a God there that created you and loved you, regardless of what you've been through. A God that helped me through all of this, my faith in God and in the angels made things easier for me to do. I can't prove there's a God. I don't think anyone can prove there's a God. There's a knowing within you. Um, and there's a, I think that part of your unconditional love or that part of your heart that loves is um, it's very much the God within you. And um, So I do feel that, you know, the angels are another creation of God they're on a higher vibration than we are. But I do feel that everything is granted through God, and through God's itself.
0: It's interesting how we portray the love around us, but yes, the energy we the love in our energy fields.
1: You know, I mean, we're all within the energy field as such, and, and everything comes. I think every connection is, is, is we draw it into through our energy field.
0: With the counseling and helping, did you discover other aspects to help people as well as yourself?
1: Yeah, well, I would have never. I mean, people would have always, from a very young age, to come to me with their problems, friends and family, and, you know. And you would feel... I never felt I was doing healing. So when I started to go to counseling or healing, and a lot of it was spiritual counseling, I found, for me, really worked. And maybe it was, you know, my faith, because I would have been probably quite Catholic up to that moment. Because it was the only thing I knew at the stage. And then when I stepped into the spiritual world and the healing world, I felt really more connected to that area of it. And it was Jane Fitzgerald actually. Um, it was it was her that really I suppose pointed out to me that, you know, you need to start doing your healing work. And to me that was it was a foreign language. Strangely enough, when I was about seven or eight um, I was down in Isle Gate, which is where my dad was from. And I clearly remember coming out of Mass on Sunday with my dad. And this man shaking hands and saying hello to dad, and then he shook my hand. And he said to my dad, you need to look after him. He's a great healer. And, you know, I was about 7 or 8, I think, at that stage. Never heard the term, never questioned it, never knew. But it came back to me when Jane had said it to me. And, um, so when Jane said, you know, you need to start doing healings with people and and, and helping people through, I, I really didn't think that it would be part of what what I'd be doing. But then when I started, it felt very natural to me. It was that part of me that I felt missing for a long time? And was like, this this feels good, this is what what I like doing. But I did kind of protest for quite a <laughs> while and maybe worked against it a little bit rather than, than with it. And I suppose because I was feeling so good and, and I was feeling connected and I was okay going to meditations and going to classes and being part of discussion groups and things like that, I was very comfortable in that. I suppose like everything, you don't want to be pushed out or be being afraid of being pushed outside your comfort zone.
0: It's interesting, you want to follow instead of leads.
1: And I'm, I'm still a little bit that way. <laughs> I'm not a I'm not big one. I mean, people just say how successful you are, and I don't see that success, I have to be honest. Um, I still much prefer to be kind of... I like working on my own. I don't want, you know, to be out there at the front. I'm very happy when people just come to me and work in, in my own space and in my own energy they haven't left me that way. As I said, the angels will always push you a little bit beyond your comfort zone. And they'd say it's to make you grow, it's to make you see more. So although I have traveled a bit and I have, you know, um, they call them lectures now, but my day we used to call them workshops. <laughs> <laughs> so, so although I've given workshops and I like quite like workshops once I get into them and, and given talks. But, you know, if I really, really was honest, I love working from my own healing room and people coming to there. Yeah, I don't really want front, front, front row which is fine because some people just have to do that and some people have to be front row and that's, that's also fine but I'm not one of the, the front row people but thank god, touch wood yeah they still come <laughs> and they come back, which is even a better sign. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and I like to see a lightness in my work as well. I don't, I don't like it to be too serious. Or so I, I feel laughter is one of the best uh, ways of healing anyone. So, even within the workshops and the talks, I give, you know, there would be bantering there would be laugh, and, you know, would we'll see the other side of things. So I wouldn't be terribly serious um, about what I. I'm serious about work, don't get wrong, but it's not, um, it's not all doom and gloom. I think it's nice to, and it's lovely to see people laugh, too, after a while.
0: It is, because it's form of medicine as well.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's, I always feel it's that breath of fresh fresh air that they need. So, when they have to be coming to me for a couple of weeks, a couple of months, and that day that they come in smiling, it's like, oh, my work is done. They're ready, so, laughter. Laughter and fun, I think, is the real essence.
0: Did you discover Reiki or angel card reading before? Which was first?
1: Um, I think the, ange- the angel card readings would have come. I remember picking up a deck at a workshop and loving them the minute I picked them up, the pictures in them. And I remember then that year, my sister Rosalind bought me a pack, a deck of, of cards for Christmas. And I loved them. But when I got them, hadn't a clue how to read them. So I started reading the book, you know, that would be be with the cards and it didn't sometimes make sense to me. So my angel Hannah actually came and taught me how to read them by looking at the pictures, looking at the seasons in the pictures, looking at the bindings on the angels and looking for hidden messages really within the cards. And that's the way I I don't concentrate so much on the the words. but then again, I read the energy field when people come in, and then what I feel is that the cards more connect them, or, or, or they can see clearer when you use the angel cards. And um, I started doing hands-on healing then. People asked me before I ever did Reiki, and I really wasn't comfortable, I have to be honest. I was one of those people I needed a cert to say I could do hands-on healing. So I went and did my Reiki with Mary Kay Hayden, and um, wonderful teaching, and I have to say fell in love with Reiki. I always say to my students, I teach Reiki as Reiki, but when you come to me for a healing, I don't necessarily do Reiki, <laughs> <laughs> so don't be correcting me when the, <laughs> when the healing is over. Um, so I think what Reiki did was give me the confidence to actually use my hands, if that makes sense. Mm, yeah. um, and that it's not technically Reiki I do when I'm, when I'm doing healings. Unless someone says, I just want Reiki, and then I will do Reiki. But Reiki connected me more to the energy, I think, and made me understand the energy. And probably gave me, the, the dessert. I think, gave me the confidence to do it. It's, it's interesting how it's about confidence, not
0: this, the system or the energy. It's the confidence of being able to portray your divineness
1: through to the group or the people or mm. your family. It's probably because I'm not terribly confident in anything I do, I have to say. <laughs> um, although I love doing it, but I always feel I don't give enough or, you know, I, I need to give more. And, um, getting a little bit better with that. So, to me, I think it is the confidence for everyone to go out. And, and you know, we all have the gift within. There's many different kinds of healing And that's what people often think that, you know, if they're a healer, they have to go and do hands-on healing or do readings or do reflexology. But there's there's healing of of the world and there's healing of the industry and there's healings of many different types of things. And it's really about going in, treating people with great kindness and and with love and not spoiling them, but with with a love and an understanding and not to be nasty to make things better for them, Uh, to make your working environment better and a nicer place to go, and to be friendly with people rather than ignoring people. Mm -hmm. So making people aware of those things, that's actually, you know, if you sit down and talk to someone who's lonely or visit someone who has no one, that's a healing. So healing comes in many ways and in many shapes and in many forms, but unfortunately we put that all down Mm to sitting for an hour with someone kind of in the therapy situation, but that's, that's not always the case. We've labeled healing to this the way it is, but it can be anything. We have labeled it, and, you know, and again, I think with with, um, with healings too, an awful lot of ritual has come into healings. Mm-hmm. We don't necessarily, ritual is nice, but it's, it, you know, all we have to do is ask, ask for help, ask for guidance. And I give gratitude for what we received. And I'm I'm not saying do away with, with ritual. Ritual is lovely. But it's, sometimes it's it's more about the ritual and not about the actual work. Wow. And did you study Reiki in Ireland or abroad or? I studied it here in Ireland in Newtown Mount Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and, and I did it I knew I want. I had studied it before with another person and it didn't, it didn't gel with me. But again, it's like everything, your teacher has to be the right teacher. Not saying there was anything wrong with that teacher. It's, you know, I'm not for everybody and every healer is not for me either. So you, you begin to know how your energy connects with people as well. And when I went, met Mary Kay, my energy connected with her. And when I went to do Reiki one with her, I remember sitting in the room and going, I'm going to do my reggie one, two, and three with this lady. You know, because people will often say, oh, he's no good or she's no good. When in fact, you know, you really need to sit back and go, well, did I really need to go for this person? I went because Mary down the road went and said she was great. I always feel if I come away from something that I'm not that happy with, I'm more inclined to say, you know, that wasn't for me. And if I really think about it, did I really need to go? And I definitely know in my early days of trying to find teachers, if you'd have met me in a pub and said you were with John, someone or other, and he's absolutely fabulous, you know, you have to go and see him. And I'd go (laughs) and I'd be disappointed, but I actually didn't have to go to see him. And that didn't mean that John wasn't any good. It was it was me and my curiosity going. And you'll find out about that people will come to you because someone else came. And someone else found them good. But that doesn't necessarily mean they need to be with you.
0: It's like your entire body is a magnet. Whenever feel yeah. good you drag and some does not
1: there you go. And sometimes people come they don't need to come. If you know that they're not coming for any particular reason. Now I have asked and I, said, <laughs> I, I have asked the ancients and, and spirits Please, you know, not to send these people. and I don't mean that in any disrespect, but I mean you know they're, they're, they're coming and they don't need to come. they need to be more aware. But again, I mean, I'm not everybody's healer. So people will come, some people come and find me grace. Some people will come and not out with my energy at all, And that's fine. And I suppose with maturity, you discover that that it's fine.
0: It take you a long time to get from the guy studying it to the guy. Down. Yes, contrary to what everyone thinks
1: <laughs> from reading the book, <laughs> they all think I just decided in work one day I'm going to leave work and, you know, go into healing, and they were cute and beds out the door for me. That didn't happen that way at all. I had to serve my apprenticeship, as the saying goes. I worked two jobs for many years. I had no weekends off for many years. I went to every fair that you could go to. <laughs> And, and, and maybe, you know, hire a stand and, and, and come home and with less money than you went. I'm not a course junkie, I have to say, but I did as much courses as I felt I needed to do. So I would say I was out there for about seven or eight years on the road before I kind of decided I would, Oh well, before the angels decided I needed to leave work. <laughs> 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 um, so no, I didn't, I, I, I kind of built up a practice before before I left, and I would always advise my own students to do it that way as well, not to kind of give up their security until they're secure within, their, within the field they want to go into.
0: How do the angels nudge you to go this way or that way? Is it like do they talk to you or feel actually
1: I can actually hear them talk. So I, I'm blessed, you know, because I am a Delton Thomas, so I think that's how they really have presented themselves to me, <laughs> because other than that I probably think it's all in my head. So they would, they would talk, they would talk the situation out to you about the person that's sitting opposite you And they would say, tell them to take this direction and that direction, or this would be better, or that's going to work out for them, depending on what they, what they come. They'll also say, no, you know, that's not the route to go. That's not a wise decision.
0: Is that the same with you as well?
1: Oh, bad, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually do not. They're not as nice sometimes to me, they're quite blunt. And you'll hear this, oh, no, fine. <laughs> and you go, okay, I'm not to go there. So, um, But remember, they're very gentle in their ways. Um, they're here to guide you. They're not here to judge you. They don't ever come with bad news. It's always you know, positive information that they'll give you. The kind of no would be the, the worst thing they would say. Uh, but they are beings of positive light, and they come from a place of positivity. And I think that's where we differ from them quite a lot. They will they will always see the positive side in everything, or the brighter side, they like to call it. You need to look on the brighter side. And they're quite fun, and they do play tricks on you, particularly when you're trying to find something and you're in a hurry. But they, they're simple, and I, I, I really, really believe in the power of simplicity. I don't think anything should be complicated. And my whole belief system is in asking. Ask if you if it's for you, they will they will send it. And if it's not, then you know it doesn't come, or something better comes in its place. But it's only simply to ask. Like a lot of people think too that you you need to kind of pray to them and be all the time talking to them, which is grand, but you don't need to. You need to just ask once.
0: If someone is new to this and they want to find out their angels, how do they do it?
1: Well, The way I, you know, would, would approach that with everyone is it definitely do some sort of meditation classes or something first and learn how to relax because if you're on attention, they're really won't come <laughs> because you're not allowing them to. You're already putting that wall up. Um, start talking to them every day, even if it's only, you know, hello. Um, they don't have names contrary to what everyone believes and um, their energies and they take form for me, they take the form of Beautiful angels we see in pictures and, and statues and in churches. They're winged and they're tall. Human-like, except for wings, really. But this is the way I would have been taught how to see them. And I remember Hannah saying to me, which is my guardian angel, saying to me one day, but if your mom or dad had told you we had ten legs and two heads, this is the way we would have appeared to you. Now I can see just beams of light and beams of energy. They don't necessarily have to take form every time. So if you sit down and talk to them, and it's simply just taking a few moments out of your day every day and sitting down, asking for your needs, but also thanking. Gratitude is really a big thing. So it's also to give gratitude for anything, even for just having today, for waking up today, for allowing me to be part of this day. You know, and even in the worst day, you can always find something that was positive.
0: It's interesting, we
1: focus on the negative, but it's the positive that makes us better. we being some negative energy. <laughs> I, am, I am convinced it. I don't know anyone who won't see, well, maybe it's an Irish thing, I don't know. But I can not see, and I know very few people who will actually see positive side first. They'll get there, but they nearly will always see the negative side first. Or they will question, will I do, will I do this, will I do that? You know, we're not we're not really beings that take. It's very few of us, I think, that take big chances. I think it's getting better. I think the light is becoming the energy is becoming lighter and lighter. Pam would refer to it as the light. But I definitely think that you know the the people are becoming more enlightened and more enlightened at a younger age now as well. I've noticed that. I'm doing this now probably about twenty years, and I can see you know. The old clients are still there, but maybe it's me that's getting older and <laughs> I think the <laughs> ones that are coming in are much younger than we were. But no, there's a lot of students and there's a lot of clients now in their uh, early 20s. Did you get was, certified in a I did, from Doreen Virgin. But I, ne- I, again, and I don't mean any disrespect to Doreen in this, but I don't use it the way I was thought. And I don't think anyone does. I think everyone puts their own energy into it, and their own energy will come and I suppose that was guidelines. But the the angels really taught me how to read the cards themselves. That's it's it's their system. It's Hannah's system I really use in, in the healing and in the teaching of them as well.
0: When you say it's Hannah's system, is that
1: your system or well the hand of the angel, yeah, archangel or my guardian angel? Sorry, um, she came and sat with me for a couple of days and went through the cards with me. and showed me things in the pictures that, and it's the same deck no not the exact but it's the same type of cards I still use today. And we had a class last weekend and again the students are always amazed at, at how you know, I teach it and how different it is and but how much they understand the cards much more when, when they leave.
0: Where you want down cards if the same? Oh no, it's not the same
1: deck. I should say it's the same um, deck of card, cards. I still have the deck of cards she used, showed me with them. Um, and they are pretty worn down because I was afraid to let go of them for so long. <laughs> <laughs> you can barely see the pictures on them, um, but it's the same pack of cards, uh, uh, same design of card.
0: So you use the same method all the yeah. time?
1: Yeah. Well, it's funny, there's a friend of mine, Joan, who would shadow me in, in the classes, or help me in the classes, and she says after every Angel class, you didn't say that in the last class. But again, what they have told me is there's a hundred and more stories in each card, if you really look at the card. So the class is not necessarily exactly the same all the time, you know. They they might give me more information or less information on the card, or some new information on the card. But the structure is the same and the basics is the same. I don't think it's always the same. I think energies change all the time as well, so you have to change with that.
0: Do you spend time in Japan with the regular system, or is that natural?
1: I did, I did, um, I did have, I don't know one or two classes, and I'm not quite sure. Definitely had one, uh, uh, Reiki one and two, and uh, Reiki Masters class there uh, in Japan. There wasn't at that time, now I believe that has changed again, that's 10 years ago, 11 years ago. Um, that, that has changed now, there's, there's, there's quite a lot of Reiki Masters again, it has come back. Uh, it, they were always very aware of it, but there was no teachers in Japan um, for a long time, but Japan has really opened up, I think, to the spiritual side of things now. And uh, there's definitely a lot more people traveling to do and to give workshops. And I went there, there wouldn't have been that many going at that stage.
0: And did you go there searching for that or was it just a trip? Oh no, sure? I,
1: was, I was invited. Um, oh wow. Um, there was an agent here and um, she had a group here and she asked me to give a talk to them. And that was during the time I was um, I was kind of doing the part-time. I said, yeah, because I'd do anything. <laughs> <laughs> so they asked me to go and give a talk one night, and I gave a talk. And then she emailed me to say, would I be interested in going to Japan for a couple of days to give a couple of talks? And then that led on to going to Japan to do um, a Reiki workshop and an angel power workshop.
0: You must be honored to go to, be invited to a I'm place honored there.
1: to be asked anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> As I say, you No, know, I love the, the the comfort of my own healing room, but I think if you speak to most people in, in that area, they love actually work. But I love different cultures, and I, I, I do yeah. like to be invited, to. It's nice, it's it's nice to see different, Could I say, the same energy in different countries and in different cultures. Um, it's something very reassuring. I always feel like it's those beacons of light that are that are lighting up everywhere, and that the light is really spreading, you know. And, and to go somewhere so far away as well, and they would have the very same belief system spiritually as you. It's it's very reassuring. What you're doing is is right.
0: What do you mean by beacons of light?
1: Well, I I feel that instead of you know mass gatherings. I feel that we've come to a time now where there's smaller groups meeting within each of that group. And it's more personalized. So if there's about 10 people on a weekly or monthly basis, and the meeting to meditate or to discuss or to pray, they're creating beacons of light. And I always see the globe with these um, beacons of light that I know, or these people that I know that are having meetings every so often, I always feel that's another little light, an awareness a connection to the divine everywhere and it's bringing healing and it's bringing good energy to the area so I feel instead of mass crowds and if you think of it now there isn't when I started this like the likes of Doreen and a few of them they would come and there would be you know up to a thousand or thousand two thousand people there to see them it's not really happening that way anymore people want smaller groups they want a more intimate kind of setting and and I feel that that's happening so it's those small beacons of light everywhere that are amounting to a lot of light rather than just one light in one particular area. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it ends up being a lot more light.
0: And when you walk into a place of you know, lecture, do you need the energy or do you just let
1: the angels do what they do? Or? As I said, I'm not big into ritual. What I simply do is I always ask for the light and the love of the, uh, the Holy Spirit uh, to clear the room. And to cleanse it and for the protection of the angels i asked the angels the four angels of the four winds to stand at each corner of the room and i asked hannah and and zachariah to assist me and the angels of the people come. so i don't do any big clearing even on this house here around my healing room i ask them to come in every morning and i thank them
0: when i was coming today is the place called
1: angel Hulk or angel hook is that because the angels around, or how did the name come about? Well, everyone seems to think I give a very healing hug, <laughs> <laughs> and they always, and it's kind of through the years that has, it has come to, Aidan, give me one of your angel hugs, will you? So when we came here, because the, the cottage has been in Marta's family since its great grandparents, and uh, so when we decided to come and live here, Being from Dublin, I couldn't understand where would my letters get here because (laughs) there's no number on the gate (laughs) and how will people know I'm here? So I said, I'd like to put a name on the, on on the, on the cottage. So, and I said, I'd love the name Angel Hug Cottage because I feel it's a place where people can come and where people can have a little bit of peace and a little bit of angel hugging and we've created what we feel is a sacred garden. Um, so we have the Jesus Garden, which is in the which is you wouldn't be able to get down to it today. It's, it's a very small part of the garden. We have the Buddha Garden, we have Quan Yin's Garden, we've Mother Mary's Garden, we've the Angel Garden. When my clients come, they don't want to leave.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we've
1: created a garden so that they can sit in it afterwards, and you know, meditate or or just sit and be, and everyone feels feels the energy of the. So I feel that the, the area itself is filled with it is filled with healing. And I think there's nothing that's healing as a whole. I totally agree. How did you and Martin meet? online. <laughs> 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 we had both, funnily enough, I had again, I suppose, you know, when you're in your fifties you're not expecting to meet anyone at that stage and I had been through a couple of relationships. They were okay, they weren't bad, but they weren't they weren't the one. A couple of my friends had been in a relationship. We were in a relationship for quite a while. And then I had two girlfriends, as in friends, uh, as in buddies. They, um, the two of them had met two men. And I was sitting at home and I was going, this is the rest of my life. I've no one to go out with anymore. And I went to dinner one night to uh, one of my uh, same same sex uh, friends, couples. And uh, they were saying, what are you going to do now? And I said, I'm fine. I'm actually fine as I am. And I had come to that conclusion. I thought, you know, maybe I'm not meant to meet someone. Maybe it's this is the way it's meant to be. I have great friends, I have a great family, I'm never really lonely, and I like my own company. I had my own house and life was nice. And I said that one night after coming home from them, I had said that and I said, No, they had said, go online and meet someone. They had met met online. And I went, I don't really want to do it that way. <laughs> So I was sitting in the house one night and I said, you know, I'll just see what this website, it's like the, the number kind of fell out and I said, I'll see what this website, you had to pay to get on the website. So it wasn't just one of the ones you I paid my fee and I went on I said, sure, I'll give it one last chance. And I happened to be going away the next day. And, um, about 10 days later, I came home from Portugal. I was doing it, I was catching up on my emails and I noticed this email from the agency and it was from Orta and it was very funny email and I have to say I, I almost fell out of bed laughing when I was when I was reading it. And I said I looked at the date and I thought, Oh, it's ten days ago, this was the next day. So I said he's obviously probably had met some to say But sure, I email him with Alan thanks for the laugh anyway. So I emailed him and thanked him and said I was really sorry that, you know, I had been away on the holidays and I didn't wasn't expecting replies back. <laughs> and he emailed me straight back and said no, actually, I haven't met anyone. And so we started emailing for about two weeks and then we phoned. And then about two and a half weeks later, we met and we're still together. Wow. Eight, nine years, eight years later.
0: You're just a lot there, regardless of what you
1: are and who you are. Yeah. Again, I mean, we're all created in the image and likeness of God is what I was told from the very beginning. and. Um, I never had seen myself as, as different, uh, I never explained myself as, and I've never introduced myself as being gay, um, unless someone asked, I would never say it, um, because I don't feel different, and I've never felt different within my sexuality, and I never feel like I have to explain it. Mm-hmm. I am who I am.
0: Was it hard to come
1: to those terms? It was, the early years were, were hard, and I lived in denial, I a lot of denial. Um, But kind of when I sorted my head out and when I I came to the spiritual knowing that God has has created us all for a reason, for for purpose, but mostly to love and to find love and to be loved. And that's when I went, God is not a God of judgment. God didn't put us here with these feelings to suppress them. He gave them to us to express us, you know. And so I feel very comfortable in my skin. But I never feel the need to have to explain it. Right, it's it's I'm more than my sexuality. Yeah, it's you know more. I remember saying this to my brother, my eldest brother, and said, oh, "For God's sake, why didn't you tell us?" And I went, "Well, you never told me you were heterosexual." And he went, "Oh, that's right." So <laughs> <laughs> you know, so. And, and I mean, anyone who who says that to me, I'd go. Would you never? You never told me. Why do gay people have to say I'm gay? You are, and what you can do. Yeah, but it as I gay. said, and I I feel I'm much more than my sexuality mm. as well. Did you feel when the law
0: for both sex to marry? Did you feel that freedom, freedom that?
1: Oh, I was so proud of Ireland. I have to say, <laughs> 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 I was so proud to be Irish that day. No, I mean, I think that was a really good thing. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't here. and no, I did vote. But we went away that evening. We were in Scotland and I was working in Scotland the next day. But I watched every bit of it on TV once I was finished. And BBC did a great coverage of it. Murth and I were already in a civil partnership at that stage. We did kind of feel our civil partnership didn't say enough or didn't. We were civil partners. What is civil partners? We kept asking ourselves, you know, and it was more really for kind of legal reasons, I felt. But it was a friend of ours who, as a solicitor, pointed out one day to us, you know, because um, they were saying, a, a 2 he's got to get married. And we kind of went, oh, no, I mean, we have a civil partnership. We had the great day. And she said, you know, you really do need to, to, to get married because a civil partnership of a different government came in in the morning. They could change the, um, the writings and the rules within it. So she said a marriage would be much, much better. So we had a second ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> so we are officially married. And it was lovely to be officially married in Ireland during the first year where it had become legal. It
0: almost felt amazing to have the acknowledgement that you were
1: legally. The- yeah, I mean, words fail me really to express the joy that was Now I'm getting a bit emotional, but there was just a huge sense of acceptance. And for everybody, and I'm not doing that kind of Mr. Sky here, but but even for, for our guests at the wedding, the joy that was there um, from the youngest to the oldest. was just... And the happiness that people have, and I see this now because I'm a, a wedding celebrant, and I always say at same-sex um, ceremonies, the joy still that fills the room uh, and the applause You nearly have to tell them to, to calm down. You know, but it's just... Pure joy for everybody.
0: Joy for freedom of knowing that they are normal or
1: what's the... Well, definitely normal. <laughs> <laughs> We've always been normal. <laughs> no, it's the acceptance that people accept you as equal. That your love for each other as is equal. And and and, and, it, and so it is. So it should always be that the love between man and, man and a woman and a woman is equal and the same. As the love between them.
0: Wow, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm.
1: So it's th- that equality that I feel that people should be. Again, there's no difference. Love doesn't have a male or female end. Love doesn't. Love happens to you. You fall in
0: love. Yeah, it's there. Mm-hmm. How did you get into celebrating the clergy for weddings?
1: So I'm not a clergy.
0: Okay, they're not the right words. words. And
1: by the way, I'm just saying, I have no ill feelings against any of the Christian churches. I still love to go into the church. I still love to say my old prayers at times. I still love to go to communion at times. Um, But I wouldn't be a regular every Sunday person. Um, I still think they're places of stillness and silence and holiness. So I would hate anyone to think I'm very anti-church. I'm definitely not anti-church. I do believe that very wrong things went on in the church. And, um, but I think there's also good things that happen within the church as well. You know, there's good work done also. Mm-hmm. So I would hate anyone to think I'm anti, anti-religion. anti I'm not, I believe whatever, whatever makes you happy is the right thing for you. You know, and I've never tried to change people's thoughts or feelings on that. I think if people find happiness and oneness with their God, that's where they should be. But as far as the wedding celebrant, so I am working for spiritual ceremonies, which is a spiritual um, union. It's called the the Spiritualist Union of Ireland. So they have received, they, they can do legal marriages. So what I'm called is a solemnizer. So I do the legal part of the wedding as well as the religious part of the wedding. So we meet with the couples, And they, we see what kind of ceremony they want. We can mention spirit and God in it. And this is what I say. There's a lot of young people out there still want to use the word God as well in in the ceremonies and believe in it, but they don't necessarily want a church wedding. So how did I get into it? I was at a wedding one day and there was a girl doing a ceremony. And I went, she did the legal part of the ceremony as well, because this is why I would have loved to do the whole thing rather than just you know, a wedding blessing and such. So I went up to her after the ceremony, and Murta, Murta went up first because I had, I had someone with me in a wheelchair and I was leaving them out and I said, just don't let her go till we come back. <laughs> and I went up and um, I was asking about her, and she said, your name came up in the Spirit of union the other day, and I think Tom is going to phone you, but she said, I'll let you know. So I said, fine. So, um, Tom and I meet the next day, who's the, 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 the head of the Spiritual Student and Spiritual Ceremonies. And he asked me what I'd like to come on board. So I said, yes. Yeah. So he said, right. We organized a meeting, did our training. And um, so you had to shadow weddings and meeting the couples and things like that for I think it's six months and did my training six months later i was doing my first wedding ceremony <laughs> 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 and i have to say i love it i don't have as much time to do it as i would like to do it because i'm busy with my own work and kind mm-hmm. of when you weigh things up you have to see which is which is your heart and my own work as i call it is still my heart okay. but the weddings is it lovely they're joyous and it's and it's a happy occasion and it's, it's kind of lovely to put in which you work every week or every two weeks. But you have a one ceremony. I'm not sure it's that easy for everyone to do <laughs> It's just, Tom knowing me, I knew my background, and knew I was doing this spiritual work for so long as well. Okay. You know, but I don't think it's necessarily that easy. <laughs> that was one of the things they really sent me easy when I said, you know, I would love to do this. I'd really love to be able to do civil ceremonies. And honestly, within a month, this fell on my feet. Now I've said a lot of times I'd love to win the lotto, <laughs> that hasn't happened. <laughs> you know, and I'm not even greedy. I even said I'd share it with someone, you know. <laughs> so as I said, they'll send you what's good for you. So obviously the lotto is not good for me.
0: <laughs> how did you get to, this made story, but how did you get from your mind to paper? That's called Patricia Scanlan. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Patricia, in fairness to her, she's always been, I know her a long time, and she's always been saying to me, you know, you should write your book, you should write your book. She wasn't well there at one time, and I went up to stay with her for a couple of days. And she said to me, start writing your book when you're with me now. And oh, for God's sake, she's never going to let up on this. So I said, Do you know what, I'll write a few words, I'll write a couple of par- paragraphs, and she'll see I'm not a writer. So I was there for a few days, and... By the time I come home I had maybe had two or three chapters done. Maybe two, but it was all about my younger life and I thought, you know, she's not going to and I got back home that night and a call came from her. What am I going to do now? She's gonna say it's crap. And she was, and she was crying on the other end of the phone. And she went, Oh my god, this is fabulous, you'll have to continue <laughs> and I went, Oh no. <laughs> I said, Really? And she said, Yeah, and within Two weeks? Could be two days now, I'm not sure because it's gone back a bit. She rang me and she said, guess what? And I went, what? She said, "Um, there's a publisher interested in it and they're coming to meet us in two weeks' time or next week. And I went, no, that wasn't part of the plan. I was supposed to finish the book. And she said, no, this will make you finish it. (laughs) So that's how I wrote the book. (laughs) And that's how the second book... Bringing Debt to Life was written also.
0: Wow.
1: I was in bed one morning and she said, the phone rang and I went, God, it's not like Trish to ring at this stage. Is there something wrong? And I picked the phone up and she said, great idea. The four of us are going to write a book on debt. <laughs> 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 and I went, okay. And she kind of outlined what it would be roughly and I went, okay. I put the phone down. went I said, I'd never do this again. <laughs> and I thought in the back of my mind, maybe it's just one of those things she's thinking about and she forget about. No. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to writing, Trish doesn't let it go. <laughs> so we had, I had a nice time doing the two books, I have to say, but I do find writing a very lonely experience.
0: What do you mean? And I think,
1: you know, I'm so used to meeting people every other day and, and working with people. When I actually sit to write... It's just lonely. (laughs) That's the feeling I get. It's just it doesn't come to me easily. Let's put it. Although Murta thinks it comes to me very easily, but I don't (laughs) think it comes to me easily. Um, Not saying I I dislike it, but it wouldn't be my first love. Let's put it that way. I see. And then I hate doing promotional (laughs) work.
0: What was your section in the the book Life?
1: Um, Well, we all did different sections on you know, kind of preparing to die die. And we all kind of put our own pieces in, so it's it's four, it's it's three and four par, um, chapters of, of a book, you know. So I wrote about um, the aftermath of my mum's death and how I felt. I wrote about my dad's pre-dying. Um, we wrote about pets. Um, we wrote about mass um, disasters. So I suppose we covered, you know. A wide range of things and um, to me it's it's a book that you will buy that and, and a lot of my clients have, have said this to me it's not necessarily a book you read from cover to cover it's kind of a dip in book mm. you know so there's chapters um there's chapters on every kind of covers most areas of dying or even looking after the dying and um, when that happens and how you feel and how you know people sometimes expect you that you should feel this way, you should feel that way. But it's we kinda of said there's no time limit on grief. Grief is different for everybody and we all express our grief in a different way. So it goes into things like that as well. Um a little bit about the afterlife. Well, not a little bit, it's much about the afterlife as well, and mm-hmm. beliefs on that.
0: Did it kind of make you think about your parents while you were writing it or
1: it did. Now, funnily enough it did bring up kind of grief did resurface when you were writing about, particularly about people you know, um, but not, not to the extent where, you know, I went into a depression or anything, but yes, I did, you know, you would be going around, like I wrote about my dad's pre-death and he had a pretty hard time, didn't get on particularly well with my dad and I didn't write up to the end either. And then about me, how I kind of coped afterwards and how I had to, to find, to, to find him and to love him as a dad, because he never really felt that. And then the opposite with my mom, like, I mean, my mom and myself had a fantastic relationship and um, she had a very nice dad, thank God. But the aftermath of it was, as I always explain it, just that hollow feeling within me. And it lasted for months, years, even still, it's a hollowness there yeah. um, that, you know, that, that's not replaced. Life mm-hmm. goes on, and yeah. you're having a lovely life. But there is always something when, particularly if you're celebrating anything, there's always something that's a little bit. And that's what we do say, you know, in the, in the book too, the, the kind of, the message is, you know, that life changes when someone dies. It never goes back to being the same, but it does get better. And you learn to cope with life in a different way when there's someone not there that you, that you love. But you can still have a good life, you know. And <clears throat> there's a lovely saying, it's a, this too will pass you know. Um, So there's, it's, it's different strokes for different folks. Some will grieve in a day and some will take two or three years to grieve and that's okay too. And a lot of people tell them it's not okay, but it is okay. You know, if if you're taking a little bit longer than someone else. How did you come across spiritual and seminars? Spiritual seminars? Spiritual one seminars. Oh, you're right. Yeah. I was watching I knew Mairead and the angels at the shop. So when we got into, when I kind of started doing the spiritual path, my that part of my life, and when I started with the angels and kind of accepting who they were and the work I was doing. How was it? Mairead was written on the top by Doreen Virgin. That, no, sorry, it's a lie. I met her, Jane Fitzgerald had talked about the angel shop in Mary She had something on her desk one day and I said, where did you get that? It was, um, I think it was incense. And she said, uh, I got that at the angel shop in Duneary. I'd never heard of the angel shop in Duneary. Of course, thought I'd never get out and got out. Mered was only in the small, do you remember that one? The small, you, yeah. the small one. And I remember walking into it and I couldn't see anyone in the shop. And I went, hello? And next of all, from behind one of the bookshops, you know how she's talking, <laughs> <laughs> and she just said, Hello, how are you? And she was like a little um, fairy. <laughs> and God, and that, it would have been, that introduced me to Doreen Virtue, actually, because it was around that time she said to me, Doreen is coming, Doreen Virtue, is coming to give a, a talk, her first talk in Ireland. And I think it was only seats for 200 people or something on that stage. So then when the book came out, I asked Maraid, would she manage my workshops and that? Because I had gotten busy, because that time I wasn't used to a lot of people following. if you know what I mean, and then trying to work, because for a while the, sh- the workshops were bigger workshops, if you know what I mean. We clicked, was and Maraid? I mean, I, as I said, I'd known her for maybe five years before before that. So, and then she was bringing people in and out of the country. So I thank God. So I was talking to her one day and I said, I'm looking for someone. I didn't actually ask her because I didn't think she would be interested in. And she said, are you? And I said, yeah. And she said, said, would you be interested in doing it? And she said, I'd be very honored. And I went, oh, thank God I was afraid to ask you. (laughs) (laughs) So she started organizing. And then when I met um. Murta had retired from the civil service and he had started doing a few bookings and things for me. Then when we moved down here, it made more sense because going up and down to Dublin from Trudeau. So Murta has taken off and I have, I've cut back a lot, I don't do, I don't do the work and the, don't do big workshops anymore, I'm kind of nice and comfortable <laughs> <laughs> where I am. <laughs> so I've, as I, I keep telling everybody, I'm, I'm adjusting to retirement, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm letting go of it slowly so I don't go into shock. <laughs> but probably your are like, no, no, keep going. Keep yeah, going. I think anytime I mentioned that word retirement, yeah, the phone usually um, rings a bit. But I do hope to eventually retire in about five years. And
0: the thing is, people don't think that this work you can retire. You
1: go yeah. on and on. And Yeah, and I think you're right in that as well, Aaron. I don't think it'll be full retirement, but I don't think it'll be... I think it might be more like workshops or do maybe one or two workshops a year or meditation group, something like that. Just something... I think I'd always need to be connected with the energy, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But I do feel that like the body is getting old. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting weak. <laughs> so I do feel, you know, that there would be more of group work rather than one to ones. Yeah, so that's it. Group work. One-to-one. Yeah, it sounds like the car has clocked up a lot of mileage. And it's... Yeah, yeah. And I need to enjoy life a bit as well, and, you know, you do slow up, and, you know, I do find myself getting tired now quicker. So.
0: And has your angels Communicated. that what's going to
1: happen or is it just... Not really, months? because they haven't even agreed that this is happening. I mean, oh. I'm telling myself <laughs> it's happening, but they're not giving any kind of response to it. So, um what I do believe they will allow me to slow down. And I think they have allowed me to slow down even to, to a degree. I don't do any travelling. I travel around Ireland a bit, but I don't mm. do any foreign travel.
0: If there was someone on the street that you met and they asked Aiden, you need some people
1: up advice, what would it be? Again, I think it's different strokes for different folks. It depends on the person, but I mean, the the main message would be, um, really to start loving and honouring yourself, start following, start looking at what makes you happy. When you're happy, you're connected. You're connected to God, you're connected to spirit, happiness. Happiness is, is really, if you're happy doing what you're doing when people come to me and they say, I'm happy, I'm happy doing what I'm doing, I'd go, well, that's what you're meant to be doing. If you're not happy, you need to see what makes you happy. We are here to be happy. We're not here to be miserable. Happiness is the gauge of our right. Happiness is the energy of, 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 of your creator, whatever kind of God you believe in. If you're happy, you have found God. And I know you can't be happy all the time, but mm. even content is great. But I mean, you are going to have some sad times. But happiness is the first key of the first door um, to being content with it, to loving. It. And it's the first step to loving yourself as well.
0: I, mean, yes. I that.
1: Yeah. Well, well, maybe it's not right, but that's the way I see it and feel it. it. I feel if if people are happy first, they will they will find more happiness and more happiness so they will find what resonates to them more and
0: more. Do you have anything planned
1: for the coming year? Um, well, the usual. Everything is held at the Kadeen Hotel in, in Newbridge. I have. We're not sure about the card course this year, but our next year, but that may happen. The Reiki is, is happening, and um, right through the year next year, Reiki one, two, and um, three, and masters, um, Saint Germain the Attunement to Saint-Germain, the Angels of Divine Light workshop. And very importantly, we're doing a charity day for, uh, it's called my Aunt Patty's club, which is actually my Aunt Patricia. (laughs) (laughs) She looks after old people. So we do, um, uh, I do a a a charity day for them every, every year. And um, this year, with the book and with everything, kind of things got out, so I'm doing it in February instead of November, and Dr. Elizabeth McCurry will be speaking at it as well. So it's an afternoon event, and it's kind of just a day of relaxation and meditation. So it's from 1, one o'clock to 5 o'clock, and there'll be more information about it on the website. more looks after all my, <laughs> my workshops, he knows what I'm doing more than me. <laughs> Um, I should have looked that up before the <laughs> <my> interview. <laughs> uh, if
0: people want to get in touch for a reading or a workshop, where
1: can they find you? Um, they can find me on my website www.aidenstory.com and um, my Facebook page. I have uh, two of Aiden St- or Aiden M. Story author or Aiden Story, and we also have Aiden Story Angels to find Light. So there's quite a few pages there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they will—they will always have lists of um, workshops or healings, and Merton looks after all the healings and the, the phone numbers and that are the, are on the website.
0: Hayden, it was an honour for chatting with you and spending time with you. Thank you
1: so much. Okay, it was an honour for me, Aaron. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for spending the time to listen to the show. If you want to learn more, check out Sanseat.com. That's S-A-N-C-I-T dot com. Join Sanseat Group on Facebook
0: and contact us if you have any questions. Until next time, have an awesome day and rock on.